All right, guys, welcome to today's episode. So today's episode is all about um, are you blocking the right people from entering your life? Now, before we get into it, there's, I'll, I'll be delving deep, deeper into it. We've got a brain fact, we've got a listener question, but just a little life update. On the weekend, I went to, so my friends Lucy and Nikki, they have a podcast called Happy Hour. A lot of you guys listen to Happy Hour and listen to my podcast. I think there's like quite a bit of a crossover, especially with our Australian audience. And um, they had a, like one of their brunches. And I went to the Sydney brunch and I met so many of my beans because they call their listeners their their punters. So there's a lot of like bean punters or punter beans or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so many people came up and said hello and had a chat with me and I listened to your stories. And I just want to say that I absolutely loved meeting each and every one of you. It was so cool. I met some of you guys that I had also met at the Sydney live show earlier in the year and like this girl, she's fucking legend. She like pulled out the photo of us at the after party in the club and we're just like, ah, like lit at the club. It was just so good. So it was so, so nice to chat to you all, to see you all, to get photos with you all. Honestly, it just warmed my heart and it's gotten me so excited to finally start doing live shows next year. So I'm just trying to flesh out exactly how it would look like and what the concept would be. I've got like obviously a billion ideas, but it's trying to like narrow it down to something that's you know, I'll, I'll do one in Sydney to start with, obviously. And then based on that, I'd love to take it around Australia and do stuff like that and meet my beans, obviously. So that was, that's my life update. I'm also moving homes. Finally, finally, it's happening to me. I'm moving homes after what feels like an eternity. Um, Tyrone and I have been renovating an apartment. Uh, we've been living in a different apartment and we're going to be moving to that apartment well, this goes live on Friday tomorrow. So we're moving tomorrow night or maybe Saturday morning. Anyway, I'm so excited. I'm just actually really excited to go to Ikea and buy plates. I'm so excited. I love Ikea. Fucking love Ikea. I feel like there's two people in the world. There's the people that go to Ikea. They go straight to the marketplace or that place downstairs, grab all their shit, go to the checkout and sprint out of there. And then the other population I deem to be the wiser and more fun-loving population are the ones that go to Ikea, eat a fucking hot dog on the, uh, upon entry and go around the showroom and pretend that you live in all the little tiny apartments and like say, this is what I would do if I lived here. And you spend like half your day there rolling around Ikea with all your friends or cousins. And then you meander your way through that you, pro- you buy a plant and then a cinnamon scroll, eat some meatballs on the way out and then look back at Ikea with love in your eyes. There's that other population. So I'm population B. Um, I think like Liv is definitely population A, although she does eat the hot dog. I just drag her through the showroom. So look, there are some hybrids, hybrid individuals. This is not Ikea spawn by the way, but I feel like Ikea should sponsor me because I eat so many of their hot dogs. Anyway, um, I feel like I've lost track, but that is... <laughs> My life update. I feel like I haven't done a life update in ages. So let's get straight into today's episode. We've got the brain fact, we've got the content of the episode, and then we've got a listener question. I'm loving your listener questions, by the way. So if you want to send a listener question through, it is to info at dyfmpod.com. All right. Good terms. All right. So for the brain fact slash science fact, it's not really a brain fact today. There's a bit of brain stuff in there, but mainly science fact. Of today, we're going to be talking about potassium. So we all know that if you eat bananas, you it's got potassium and it's good for you. Why? What is so good about potassium? 
let's talk about it because it's actually fucking very important for your body. So I want to talk about it. Potassium is a mineral. Now, let's break apart the difference between a mineral and a vitamin because I did not know that until relatively recently. So a vitamin is organic, as in it's made by plants or it's made by animals. And minerals, in a nutshell, are inorganic. So they come from the earth, they come from the soil or the water, and they can be absorbed by plants and eaten by animals. We need both. We, both, we need both minerals and vitamins. Every cell in your body needs potassium. In, not well, including the brain, like neurons all need potassium and I'll go into that in a little, little bit. Potassium is involved in so much when it comes to your body. It's an electrolyte. What the fuck is an electrolyte? So it's something that has a natural positive or negative electrical charge when it's dissolved in water or in a liquid. The role they play in the body is basically helping regulate chemical reactions and fluid balance inside and outside your cells, okay? So when that is kind of off skew, then you might have too much of something entering a cell or too little of something exiting the cell and that can lead to a whole bunch of problems. I'll talk about side effects later. Now, other examples of electrolytes are things like sodium, chloride, magnesium, um, salt is actually sodium and chloride. That's why salt is also called sodium chloride. So these electrolytes can be negatively charged or positively charged. So sodium, potassium, magnesium, they're positively charged. Chloride is negatively charged. Anyway, potassium, which is positively charged, it's a positively charged ion, an atom, and it exists in the liquid inside your cells, like in your neurons, in your cells, and it works alongside sodium which primarily resides outside of the cell, okay? So there's something called a concentration gradient when you look at cells. Let's talk about within the brain specifically. Let's talk about neurons. There's something called a concentration gradient. And this concentration gradient of the concentration of what's within the cell and what's what's outside of the cell is responsible for your cell's firing. It's responsible for action potentials, okay? There are literal pumps located on the cell surface, on the membrane of every single cell in the brain. And its job is to maintain this concentration gradient. So it's always pumping sodium out of the cell and it's allowing potassium into the cell. It wants to keep this difference in the gradient. It wants to keep like a charge there, a difference. There's got to be some sort of a contrast inside the cell and outside of the cell. So that way, when you want the cell to fire, there's enough of this concentration gradient um, so it can fire. If the concentration of potassium in the cells and sodium outside of the cells is off or it's not a strong enough gradient, then it's going to affect the ability for your cell to fire. And if your cell can't fire, if you can't have an action potential, then your brain's not working basically. Like shit's not going to get done. Cells can't communicate. So an action potential gets one cell firing a signal to another cell. If you fail to have an action potential, that signal doesn't get sent. So if your potassium is low, then you alter or you're like impacting your cell's ability to perform at its best, right? So, and the same goes for sodium. So you want to have an optimal level of, I mean, all your minerals really, but really importantly, sodium and chloride uh, and potassium. So it's this fine balance and you just want to keep it that way. So given that potassium is used all the time throughout your whole body, it's important that you are having just a healthy amount of potassium. You don't want to like overdo it and eat 50 bananas a day. Definitely don't want to do that. But you just want to make sure that you have potassium within your diet, okay? So it's also really, really important for muscle activity. 
obviously because you're talking about activation and impulses in within cells, cell-to-cell communication and heart activity. Now, if you have potassium deficiency, these are the things to kind of look out for. Bloating is one of the things. Um, when you are lacking in potassium, your intestines, um, your digestive system isn't functioning as well. So that is one of the signs. Fatigue and exhaustion because potassium is heavily involved in energy produ- production because of cell-to-cell communication, all of that. Skin problems, so dry skin, acne, etc. That is also linked to a potassium deficiency. Muscle weaknesses because you need it for you know sending signals to contract a muscle. Uh, high blood pressure and also feeling like sluggish, not concentrating that brain fog. Again, your you know it's impacting the communication between cells within the brain. Of course, that's going to impact your cognition as well. It's also potassium is lost very easily in sweating. So if you've sweated a lot just because you're dehydrated, it's a hot day, whatever, or if you've been working out a lot, running a marathon, all of that, you need to make sure that you're keeping up your potassium. So foods that are high in potassium are banana, white potato, sweet potato, blackberries, avocados, um, nuts, butternut, pumpkin, spinach, um, uh, beetroot, salmon, watermelon, They're all foods that are quite rich in potassium. Now, don't freak out too much about the levels being like, how the fuck fuck do I know what I'm supposed to be having? What's too much? What's too little? Just make sure that it's in your fucking diet, right? Like you don't want to be overdoing it going nuts because then you don't want to have like too much of it, right? But 4,700 milligrams is roughly the daily recommended amount. But obviously if you're smaller versus if you're bigger, that's going to vary. Um, So you don't have to go crazy chasing down all the foods with potassium. Just ensure that you're eating foods that have a good source of potassium in your diet. If you have too much potassium, you've got something called hyperkalemia. And this can get in the way, like this can affect your blood. It can actually, you know, obviously if you're going way, way, way over, having way too much potassium, which is you really have to actively do it. You're not going to accidentally eat too much potassium. You've got to be like on a mission, right? Um, having a lot of fucking foods with potassium in it. But if you did, it, it could really affect your heart, your heart rhythm. It could cause abnormal heart activity, abnormal heart rhythm. Um, also, if someone has kidney failure or some sort of kidney disease, it's easier for them to develop hyperkalemia because your kidneys are the ones that remove any extra potassium that's not used in your body. So your body's a very fucking smart, very well-oiled machinery. So if you do have too much potassium, your kidneys are really good at being like, too much, I can excrete it, don't need it, it's redundant, I'm going to pee it out. But if you have kidney failure, the kidneys are not able to remove that extra potassium. It's going to build up within the body and then it can affect you know, your heart rate and things like that, your you know, abnormal heart rate and other things like that, and then you can develop hyperkalemia, okay? Um, Anyway, yeah, that's it. That's the brain fact of today or the science fact, potassium. So really good if you're bloating, brain fog, if you've got a bunch of those things, it's like maybe I should like check on, you know, the the foods I'm eating and am I having enough potassium? Even if you just had like, I mean, a banana is like, 10% of your daily recommended potassium intake. So even if you just had a banana a day extra, you're already, you know, helping it out without, obviously without overdoing it because like I said, you'd have to be having quite a lot of potassium. Potassium is also in grains and stuff. So it is in a lot. So don't freak out, but just make sure you've got a nice, as usual, sounds boring, but a nice fucking balanced diet. It's just a bit of everything. Keep it balanced. And don't be cutting out food groups just on a whim unnecessarily. Just keep it nice and even and balanced unless you, you know, have an intolerance or allergic or whatever. A balanced diet is always the way because that's where you're getting a lot of your vitamins, your minerals. It's all happening and you'll be sweet. 
Okay, so let's get straight into the topic of today's episode, which is are you blocking the right people from entering your life? I've got a whole bunch of points here. I've just written these dot points down and I'm kind of like going to go through them and just break them down. So I feel like this happens all the time. I see it happen all the time and um, I'm pretty sure I've done it in the past as well, to be dead honest, you know, and I feel this comes with like you, you with the more self-awareness you get, the better you get at knowing who to kind of block out of your life and who to welcome into your life. And often based on what we think is love or based on what we think is an interaction that we need, we draw in really toxic encounters, really toxic behaviours because we're enticed, we get excited, we find certain things that we think, oh, well, that's, you know, I'm bored, I'm whatever. And so we kind of lose touch of what's actually important in a relationship. And I'm not saying you need to go and find the most boring cunt alive, um, some fucking soggy lemon and, and settle Not at all. What I'm saying is that often things like butterflies and anxiety might be something like a red flag, okay? But let's get straight into the questions and think about um, and ask yourself, am I blocking the right people from entering my life? Okay, so the first one, are you punishing someone for someone else's actions? Okay, so this often comes down to an X. So I reckon in like 95 percent plus you know scenarios is referring to your ex are you somebody that is saying to someone like I've been hurt in the past I've been burnt someone did this to me so now you have to prove yourself you have to prove that you're not like my ex you have to and this you're in turn punishing this person because you've now got all these scars or these open well they're not even scars they're more like open wounds And you're pretty much saying to this person, in order for me to like you, it is up to you to close those wounds. That's really unfair. And that's a way of driving somebody away. You're literally blocking these kind people from entering your life because these people are like, fuck, I've done nothing wrong. And often a lot of people will try. A lot of people are going to try and heal you. They're going to try and, you know, get closer to you by trying to prove themselves and prove themselves. But what happens in a situation where you constantly need proof that this person's not going to hurt you is that you actually become addicted to that loop, okay? What happens is you think, I just need, initially you think, I just want them to prove that they're trustworthy and then I'll be fine. But you're never going to be fine because what happens? You say to them, okay, I need validation. I need proof that you love me. So then they do this thing or they show you the, the, the text message text messages on their phone or they share their location with you or they or they, you know, profess their love every every hour of the day to you. And so you think, oh, what a relief, that felt good. Oh, that felt good. And then you're constantly chasing the that felt good feeling every time. So every time this person does something to validate your insecurities about your ex and those um, situations happening again, every time your new partner does something to validate that insecurity, you feel relief. And then you get hooked on that feeling. You keep wanting to chase that feeling. And that feeling is always going to be very short-lived. Like you get it, it feels good. And it never lasts. It never lasts. The only way for that feeling to go away is to starve it. Okay? You can't feed that beast. So are you doing that? That's the first one. Are you punishing someone for someone else's actions? And if you are, you need to acknowledge, how am I punishing this person? How, what am I doing 
where I'm making somebody prove to me something that actually doesn't need proving. Maybe they're just an absolute legend and they don't need to prove anything. But based on my trauma from my past, I feel like they've got to tick all these boxes when in reality, they're just living their own life being good to me. Next one. Are you afraid to be vulnerable because you don't want people to feel sorry for you? So you cut people out, you are really you you don't open up and say that you like them. It's kind of this idea of when you've been burnt a few times and people know that you've been burnt. It's kind of that that friend in the group that's always saying, Oh, no, 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 I went on a date with this person, but no, nah, they're, they're they're a bit of a dud, or like, I don't know where it's gonna go. It's no, it's this idea of don't you fucking dare be vulnerable in how you talk about this person that you might like, because if they hurt you it's going to be so embarrassing because I've been hurt again. You know, you have this idea in your head that, oh, people must think I'm a fucking idiot because I've been hurt or heartbroken like three times in a row um, and it's always been me that that got dumped and now I cannot put myself out on a limb again. And that is a defense mechanism. And it's so natural to do that, guys. It's so natural to do that. And you have to understand that it's okay. It's just you trying to protect yourself. But what happens. The issue with that is that you're then causing yourself to believe what you're telling yourself. You might have an interaction with someone that you're like, oh my God, this person's a fucking legend. Like I'm really enjoying this interaction. And then you leave that interaction. You've got all these warm and fuzzy feelings, but you're thinking, oh, don't don't get caught up. Don't get caught up. But I'm feeling warm and fuzzy. And then you go and hang out with your girlfriends or your friends, guy friends, whatever. And they're like, how was the date? And you're like, oh, it was all right. It was was fine. It was fine. And they're like, oh yeah, what? And then you start jing yourself up to be like, fuck, don't, don't get caught up. They're probably a player. They're probably this. They're probably that. You know, have your walls up. Be guarded. Also, you don't have this embarrassment, quote unquote embarrassment, of them breaking your heart and you having to turn to your friends and say, yet again, I got my heart broken. Firstly, your friends, if they're actually friends, would never look at you with pity in a way of thinking, oh my God, you know, fucking useless person can never get a date. They would think, wow, that's fucking fucked for them, but that's life and we've all been there. You know what I mean? I think a lot of the time you think, oh my God, people, it's embarrassing, but it's not embarrassing. Everyone goes through something like that. And when you decide to tell yourself, you know, if you've got all these warm and fuzzy feelings towards someone and then you shut those fucking feelings down because you don't want to risk embarrassment in case they hurt you, then you are living from a point of fear and you're never going to truly experience these these really good relationships and then you're shutting out the good people. And then in reverse or in turn or whatever you want to call it, when you have an interaction with someone who's a player, you're more likely to engage with that person because you think, I know that you're going to fuck me around, so I'm just going to fuck you around as well. And we're just going to have just fun fucking each other around. And that's all well and good if that's actually what you want. But a lot of the time you'll say to your friends, oh, I know they're a player. It's fine. I'm just here for fun. I know they're a player. It's all good. Fine. If you're actually there for fun. But the problem is that you then get into a pattern of engaging with people that are fucking around with your time, engaging with people who you know are never going to commit so you can always have your walls up and then you never really commit to them. And you're pushing away the people that actually could commit to you because they're the ones that are more likely to truly, truly hurt you if they hurt you, okay? The next one, do you desire excitement over calm stability? Okay, because I think a lot of people think you can only have one, right? 
you either have this fun fucking individual who's, you know, all fiery and like the bad is really bad, but the good is really good and it makes it all worth it and all of that. And then when you meet someone who is just quite calming, quite, you know, chilled, you often think, oh, but they're boring, they're boring, they're boring. But you're like, have you actually given them a chance? Have you given them a chance to engage with you enough for you to have things to have fun about and for you guys to have excitement together and for you guys to have your own banter and all of that. Maybe you haven't because often what happens is that we give people such a short window of time to to show us who they are. And because of that, if we think that love equals butterflies and all our past experiences with our exes are like, oh, you know, every time they text, I get butterflies and I'm nervous and this and that and it's the wait and oh, and they got a reply and then after five hours, ding, I get a reply, oh my God. If you then associate all those feelings with love, even though it's not love, it's excitement and butterflies and anxiety, that's not love. Um, that's not actual connection. That's kind of just intense excitement. If you're, if you're saying that is love and I'm not feeling it with this person so I must not be able to love them, then you're always going to push away the people that are probably going to be really good for you and long-term probably going to be a lot more fun, okay? So, for example, when I first started dating Tyrone, like we've always had fun from the beginning, but very, very quickly it was this calm, relaxed vibe. Very, very quickly, like probably like one or two weeks in there were like – I was always excited to see him and happy to see him, but I didn't have this like, oh my God, when's he texting me? Am I texting him? Oh, do I wait a little bit? Do I? It was just fucking chilled. We just both knew we were into each other, but it wasn't these like highs and lows and highs and lows and highs and lows of what I've had in the past. Like in the past, some of my, some of my relationships would be like so intense and obviously so many bad points to that relationship as well, that when it was good, in contrast, it felt incredible, but it only was incredible because I'm comparing it to like really bad aspects of the relationship. If I look at it in isolation, I'm like, actually, it wasn't even that great. Like it was good, but it probably felt better because you're comparing it to something really shit. Okay. Next one. Do you confuse the hunt and attainment of acceptance as just a game? Okay. So a lot of people are engaging, you have to play the game. It's a game, the dating scene is a game and you have to play it. And because everyone says that, everyone thinks, well, true, that's just how it is. We all have to kind of be a part of this game that you've got to play. And if you don't play the game that you're going to get hurt. I disagree with that personally. I think you save a lot of time not playing the game. If your intention is to just have fun and have no deep emotional interaction with someone, absolutely go ahead and play the game. Why the fuck not? You're your own human. However, if we're talking about are you blocking the right people from entering your life so you can have a deep, proper, legitimate connection with somebody where you actually feel that you know this person and they know you, then the game is a fucking waste of your time. And often we will talk about behaviours that are really unhealthy for us and label them as, oh, it's, it's, a, it's the game, oh, we're just play- they're just playing the game. No, no. They're doing things to me to make me question myself, to make me seek validation from them, to make me crawl for acceptance. That's not a fucking game. That's toxic behavior that's making me doubt myself and it's making me not be able to validate myself and seek it in other people, including the person that's playing me. 
Okay, so I don't think that you should be confusing these behaviors where you're seeking acceptance as game playing. You have to be able to pull the two apart. Game playing is when two people are just there to fuck around mutually. That's what it should be. Otherwise, it's just manipulation. Okay, so you're either both here to fuck each other around and just have a fucking good time and you've got no emotional investment whatsoever, go for gold. Otherwise, if you're emotionally invested and you know they're fucking you around with a game, then you've got to be like, I need to tap the fuck out. I need to acknowledge that these behaviours and the way they're treating me is seeking, is, is me trying to seek validation from them. I'm constantly trying to seek validation, getting them to validate me. And every time they do give me a crumb, I'm like, oh, oh, that felt so good. Oh, I got a fucking crumb. Okay, now what can I do again? What can I do for them to like me? Do I send them this meme so that they laugh? Do I, how do I remind them that I'm alive today? So they fucking met, what the fuck? Okay, so are you confusing this hunt for acceptance as a game? Get out of the fucking stadium or fucking arena if you actually care about this person or like this person because it's going nowhere, okay? Next one. And also, they're not the right person. You, don't, you, you want to be, you know, if you're engaging with that kind of behaviour, then you're going to turn to someone who's really chilled and really calm and whatever and you're like, I'm bored. I'm fucking bored. I'm used to this intensity of will they like me, won't they like me? And here I am fucking, you know, this person really likes me and I'm just bored. Another one is, do you get the ick when someone just likes you? And I think the ick is it's something really important to talk about. I feel like I've got to do a whole episode on the ick. Wait, I'm just going to actually write down a little note, do an episode. I'm just on my phone here, lol. On the ick. Um, often people say that they get the ick when someone just fucking likes them. There's no games. They're not fucking you around. They're just like... I like you. I'm interested in you. I want to kiss you. I want to hug you. I'm proud to call you my partner. I this, I that. And you're like, oh, oh, too intense. I've got the ick. I've got the ick. Now, why do you have the ick? And you have to ask yourself that question because it might be, you might just be like, no, not interested in this person that they're all over me and I just don't like them. But if you're someone who's constantly torn between like half the time you're like, fuck, I love being around this person. They're really good. Like I feel so good when I'm around them. Um, I enjoy their company. But then other times when they're like just too vulnerable and too open, I'm like, oh, it's too much. Just fucking reel it in. If that's the situation where you're like, I do like them, but it's a bit much. Ask yourself, is this because I'm craving this like this chase? This I need to chase somebody because a lot of the time we get used to the chase um, all genders, doesn't matter who. I think originally back in the day it was mainly men chasing women. I think that's changed a lot now and I think it's all genders do the chase. And I feel like part of us have like this adrenaline with the chase. And so when someone's just too available for us, we're like, oh, gross, gross, gross. I, wanna, I want you to be unattainable. And in my head, if you're unattainable and I get bits of you, then I think that I'm doing really well and then you, that you must be such a catch. That's the narrative that we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves, oh, you know, if this person's unattainable but we can get access to them here and there, then I feel more excited. But if you're just too available, I'm not interested, right? And I do believe that you shouldn't make yourself too available for someone that doesn't value your time or, or who doesn't reciprocate, absolutely. 
But in a relationship, I don't think there's anything wrong with someone just outright being like, I fucking adore you, really want to spend time with you, I really like that. So if you are noticing that you get the ick every time someone's available for you, you have to ask yourself, am I looking back at old patterns and labelling that as love or a healthy connection and then tainting this potentially really good connection with this person because they're too available for me and now I've got the ick, okay? So if you're doing that, then you might be blocking some really good people out of your life. Another one is, are you comparing people's constant with your ex's best moments? Okay, so often, and I've spoken about this a lot, and not just with exes, but with anything in the past, we look at the past with through a very biased lens, a very biased lens, okay? So we look at a time where we were fucking in high school and we're like, fuck, those were the good times, fuck. But when you're in high school, you're like, I cannot fucking wait to get out of this place. I just want to fucking be independent, okay? So it's like we're really good at looking back and only thinking about the good times and not remembering how we also felt in the bad times. So when you meet someone new, especially if you were the one that had your heart broken in your ex-relationship, in your last relationship, when you meet somebody new and you're like, I just, you know, and if your ex was toxic and you're someone who looked at the contrast as the highs being so high because the lows were so low, you might then start to compare your new person, your new partner's constant as in like they're a lot calmer, they're not toxic at all, they're really chilled, they bring a beautiful energy and you're thinking, yeah, it's nice, like it's good, I like it, I I enjoy hanging out with you but there's just not that fire of intensity like I had with my ex. But what you're not bringing into the picture, what you're not adding in that picture is the fact that this new person also brings this calm stability and doesn't have the negative downsides. So you're looking at the highs of your toxic ex and saying, well, that was more exciting than this current calm situation that I'm dealing with right now. So you'll start comparing. Uh, it's a really unfair comparison. Instead of thinking, well, firstly, the only reason that felt so good is because there were so many shit things. And secondly, this person that I'm with is so much more chilled and I can actually be myself around this person unlike my ex, okay? And if you're constantly expecting somebody new to be as exciting as someone who's toxic, then you're basically saying you're not good enough because you're not toxic. I want toxic. A lot of people crave toxicity because when they get these little snippets where they do feel validated here and there, it feels really good. Like I said at the start of the episode, we have this like we get hooked on the feeling, right? And It's boring and you probably don't want to hear it. But in order to not get hooked on the feeling, you have to learn how to love yourself. No one is going to do it for you. It's this false um, loop that you get yourself into thinking like, oh, you make me feel validated. Now I feel good. You make me feel... No one can give you a constant feeling of validation but yourself. That is it. Even a healthy partner. A healthy partner allows for a space for you to provide that for yourself, okay? But a healthy partner, again, doesn't provide you that sense of validation. You provide it for yourself. The healthy partner is just there holding a really good energy around you to make it easier for you to do that for yourself, okay? So don't get stuck in that loop thinking, 
No, this just isn't as good because I want fire. I want games. I want to be able to chase you. You're too available. You're this, you're that, okay? You are then basically telling somebody not good enough, not exciting enough, not toxic enough, okay? So not interested. And then what happens? You're telling yourself calm and chilled equals boring when it's not, okay? Or not necessarily, might be for some people. And so then you keep you keep repeating patterns of toxic behavior. And I hear it all the time, people saying, why do I always get stuck with the toxic person? Look at what you find attractive. Often the reason you keep returning to toxic people is because you unintentionally are finding toxic traits attractive because they trigger that high that you feel when you get that, that little you know dose of, oh, I'm good enough finally, oh, feels good, and then downhill again, okay? Another one is... Do you have one foot in and one foot out? Okay. Sometimes and probably the most surefire way to block a good person from coming into your life, and this is like absolute, absolute like no-brainer, is when you've got one foot in the door and one foot out of the door. It's those people that you start seeing someone. I've actually got like about probably three friends right now that have been in this position very recently. You start seeing somebody. And they're really good, right? Like they're great. But you're not getting those crazy butterflies. There isn't that toxic up and down. But but you you keep you're pulled to hang out with them, right? Because they're fucking a really nice energy to be around. So you're pulled to hang out with them, but you're confused and you're asking yourself, why am I not feeling what I normally feel when I enter a relationship? So obviously this mustn't be it, okay? But I'm just gonna hang out with them because I love their energy. But they it just it's obviously not it's not my next big love because I'm not feeling what I've always felt in my other relationships, okay? But for whatever reason, and you deep down know the reasons because they're fucking legends, but for whatever reason, you can't cut them off completely. You don't want to cut them off completely because you like being around them. They, are, they do good for your soul. So you keep one foot in the door. You keep seeing this person because you know they're good for you and you fucking love being around their energy. You have fun with them. You feel yourself around them. But you're like, oh, I'm not getting these like fireworks and intensity. So I'm kind of looking for that. So you got your other foot in the other door trying to compare all these other potential suitors to your toxic exes being like, mm, I want that intensity. I want the butterflies. I'm, look, I'm, seek, I'm looking for the butterflies, okay? So you've constantly got one in, one out, one in, one out. And you're always comparing, 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 comparing. How the fuck? And then you think, oh, well, you know, if I fall in love, you know, obviously if I start liking this person more, then, then, then I'll commit. The way I look at it is when you date somebody, that is the test drive, okay? A lot of people think, oh, I have to know all these things and have all these boxes tick- ticked before I start dating you, okay? But I think it's the other way. You should obviously have a general understanding of this person. But when you date someone, you're not locked in. It's not coffin is sealed, gun to your fucking head. You can never exit this situation ever again. No, when you date somebody, that is when the true test drive begins, okay? It doesn't begin before you date them. It begins when you date them, okay? And often you never get to test drive a relationship because you never give it a proper go. 
And that is the best way you can block someone good out of your life because you've got one foot in the door, one foot out of the door. You're never actually giving it a red hot go. And you can say to yourself, oh, no, I tried. You didn't try. You didn't fucking try because you're hanging out with this person who's potentially a fucking legend and a great match, but they're not giving you the butterflies that you're expecting because that's what your toxic exes used to do. So then you've got one foot in the other door of like, I'm looking at these apps, I'm talking to other people, I'm talking to my friends about, oh, no, no, this person's not right, I'm this and that. How the fuck, what chance do you think that person stands in your mind, in your heart? They don't stand a fucking chance. I've got a friend and they said to me, like they they were seeing somebody kind of on and off. And this person that they were seeing was a fucking legend and, but super calm. There was no crazy butterflies. There was no toxicity. There was no intensity. They just started hanging out and it was this like calm energy. And, you know, it was fun, but just chilled. And... My friend said to me, they were like, I just, I don't know what to do here. I'm at a crossroads. Like I like hanging out with this person. I enjoy their company, but I just don't know what, like where to go with this. I feel like I'm just a bit, they were pretty much at a crossroads because it had been a couple of weeks or months. They didn't know what to do. And I said to them exactly what I just said to you now. I'm like, you don't actually know what it's like to date this person because you haven't given them a fucking chance. Why don't you If you're not sure and you like them and you feel bad to leave because you think you're going to really miss them, but you don't know what you want, why don't you just for a month or two months, give yourself a time frame and just say, I'm going to wholeheartedly go all in on this fucking relationship. I'm going to say, hey, let's be exclusive. Let's be fucking, let's be exclusive and exclusive monogamous relationship, if that's your vibe. And we're doing it. Okay, and then fucking commit, get off all the apps, change your language around it, think every morning, wake up and think of three good things a day. If after a week you don't want to be there, you bounce out of that relationship. But I can guarantee you that for a lot of people, they'll instantly start liking this person more, being like, oh my God, I'm starting to see a side of you that I was just blinded to because I had one foot in the door and one foot out of the door. I fucking wasn't giving you a chance and here you are. Anyway, long story short, my friend in this situation, that was about a year and a half ago, and my friend just proposed, okay? And they're engaged now. I've like they're probably one of the couples that the most in love I've ever seen. The love that they grew once they both thought, fuck, let's just commit into this relationship. They grew the most beautiful love. They are just, you should see the dynamic when they're around. They're made for each other. They're fucking made for each other. And I just look at that and I think, isn't it interesting that at the beginning, because it was just so calm and chilled, my friend was kind of like, oh, what do I do here? What do I want? Do I, like, I don't want to leave because I really enjoy the company, but I don't, like, what do I want? They were so meh about it. And now they're so in love and just, you know, I just feel like there was a big chance that my friend could have blocked this right person from entering his life um, just because one foot was in the door and one foot was out of the door. Okay, so I think it's really important to say to yourself, can I actually judge this person if I haven't actually started the test drive? Some people you don't even need to test drive. You like look at the car analogy. There are some cars that you're like, no point test driving this car because I'm not remotely fucking interested in that kind of vehicle. Okay, and you can do that with people. There are certain aspects about a person that you're like, I don't care what you're like. There's no way I'm dating a person who X, Y, Z. Fine, right? But in general, once you kind of are interested, it's not good enough to just walk around the car and be like, well, that's nice. You've got to get in and you've got to fucking give it a red hot go. So if you're not willing to do that in the relationship, then how do you know for sure 
if you can really judge this person and if you're making a mistake by letting them go, okay? So if you are in two minds and you don't know, just give it a red hot go. Get in that relationship and honestly, you'll know in a very short amount of time if you've made the right decision. And the beauty of that, and this is with all decisions, once you make the decision, then you make progress. Once you just say, okay, fine, I'm making it indecisiveness is the worst place you can be in because you are wasting your time. You're letting the world pass you by. You're letting opportunities and people pass you by because you're umming and ahhing for such a long time. Make a fucking call make the call get into the relationship that's when the actual process has begun that's when you really get to know somebody and then a week a month two months in you're like I know I gave it my all I'm never going to question this again but I'm out or I'm now in love with you either way is a fucking win okay now um second last one or last one last one have you created a type in your mind that is stopping you from seeing other people for who they are. Often, when you've been heartbroken, you will base who you want to date around your ex or around the image of your ex. Even if you're like, they were so awful to me, I never want someone to treat me like that again, but I must have someone with sleeve tattoos. They must, they must have sleeves. I don't know why, I can't tell you why, it's just my type. No, it's not your type. You're looking for someone that looks like your ex, okay? And Pete, we do that all the time. I did it. I remember that when like one of my exes was a bodybuilder. Lol, because I think about that now and I was like, this is so funny, the headspace I was in back then because ne- I was never interested in bodybuilding. Oh, to, to be actually, as a child, I had such a crush on Arnold Schwarzenegger. I still do. I have always loved him. Absolute Lord. But anyway, so maybe that's where it came from. But I dated this bodybuilder and after we broke up, I was just like, oh, that's my type. I just like bodybuilders. That's it. That's just my type. Then it took a while to get over that. Literally, I was single for ages. And then I got into a relationship with someone who was covered in tattoos. And then after, and I had never really been, like, tattoos never phased me. Yes or no, I didn't really care. But after that relationship, I was like, oh, I couldn't date a clean-skinned person. That'd just be weird. Like, tattoos are so my type. And then one day I just paused and I'm like, wait a minute. They're not your fucking type. You are literally looking for someone that resembles aspects of your ex, okay? And I did that in the last relationship as well. And then you look at, obviously, Tyrone looks vastly different to any of the people I've ever dated. So are you in a pattern where you're telling yourself that you have a type purely because you're basing an appearance, an aesthetic look off someone that you used to be in love with, okay? And you've, you've kind of conditioned yourself to believe that that is what you're attracted to and nothing else. You need to broaden your horizons and start to really question, why is it that I find this attractive? You know, why? And sometimes you might just not know the answer. It's, it's okay. But sometimes you're going to be like, wait a minute, I'm literally describing my ex. That's fucked. <laughs> I need to fucking start talking to other people and seeing what else I might actually be attracted to. Maybe I'm just like cock blocking myself from meeting some legends. So that is the last point. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you found that interesting, insightful. I hope that if you are someone right now in a position where you're kind of seeing someone who's a legend who you don't want to not see because you enjoy their company, give them a fucking go. Give them a proper go. And then, you know, put them out of their misery if they're not the one for you, but at least you gave it a shot. Or find the fucking love of your life. Do you know what I mean? Just fucking bite the bullet and do it. But one foot in, one foot out. You're not doing anyone any favors, at, at the least of which you, okay? Guys, thank you so much for listening. We've got the listener question now. All right, here we go. Hi, Alexis. I have been with my boyfriend for four years, living together for three. I moved out two months ago and it was the hardest decision I have ever made. 
I've been playing drums for most of my life and I got the courage to join a band for the first time for fun back in April. It's my passion. My boyfriend was not supportive of the band idea from the start since I would be spending time with, quote, three strange guys that he doesn't know. I have never given him a reason not to trust me. After our first show and meeting the band, he seemed to be more at ease and he said he was proud of me. After the second show, he claimed that he caught one of my band members staring at my ass right in front of him and then looking back at my boyfriend in a weird way. Obviously, I didn't see any of this myself. The band members have never made me feel uncomfortable or creeped out and they have had a female drummer before I came along. If I ever felt like things weren't right, I would say peace out to the band. I told my boyfriend this and I said I would talk to them about the alleged incident, which I did and it was awkward. My boyfriend would not compromise because of how uncomfortable and disrespected he felt and he said that I needed to find a new band and drew a line in the sand. I told him he was giving me an unfair ultimatum but he denied that it was an ultimatum and said that if I cared about him, our love and his feelings, that I would find another band. Curious to get your thoughts on this. Thank you. Okay, firstly, it is an ultimatum. Basically, he's saying, well, and, and I've got a whole episode on ultimatums. They're not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a way of saying, hey, here are my boundaries. You either agree or you don't. But it's a fucking ultimatum. He's basically saying, we are not going to work unless you change bands. Okay, and that's fine. Maybe that's his, you know... Everyone is entitled to set an ultimatum, but sometimes they set it not thinking that someone's going to call their bluff and then someone calls their bluff and they have a tantrum, okay? So he's decided to set this ultimatum. He's completely in his right to do so. But I also believe that this ultimatum that he's setting is um, inappropriate because when I look at ultimatums, I look at um, ones that directly impact you and ones that are a way of manipulating somebody else's behavior. So for example, a fair ultimatum is if you fail to stick to a promise in our relationship, I can no longer be with you. That's a fair ultimatum because the promise is between you and that person and that person's not sticking to their promise and you say, I can't do this anymore. But if you say you need to change your behaviours on things that make you happy in your life that only indirectly impact me, that's a form of manipulation via an ultimatum. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, go listen to the whole episode I've got on ultimatums. But Second to all of this, one thing that is really, really common, and I hate to generalize, but it's just the truth, that with a lot of males, a lot of men, boys, whatever you want to call it, a lot of immature men, uh, when dating women, they will use this line of, I just don't trust other men, okay? This whole idea of, I just don't trust other men. So he's giving you zero credit whatsoever. He's saying one band member looked at your ass and then gave me a look. Firstly, that may have happened. Secondly, it may have happened, but he's read it that way. But in reality, he's fully misinterpreted the situation. That's another possibility. Or there's a possibility that it never happened at all. So there's three possibilities here and he's outright lying. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what the answer is there. But the point is that he is saying, he's acting like as if he doesn't trust the band members, but are you, what are you, some fucking puppet? Like he's acting like you have absolutely no control over the situation, no control over yourself and no power over the situation. That's extremely condescending and insulting and I absolutely hate it when somebody acts like, oh, you poor damsel in distress, I, don't, I just don't trust other men. Fucking insulting ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And we're not in the 1950s anymore. I don't buy that line. I absolutely do not buy that line. And it's a concern if a man doesn't trust other men. Why is that? 
What are you saying about your own behaviour? Why are you so sceptical about other men? What a lot of men need to understand is that if anyone knows which men are not trustworthy and which men should, you should be wary of, it's women. It's fucking women because women have been exposed to the bullshit of dud men and so we can pick a good man from a bad man relatively easily, especially if we have interactions with that person, okay? And for, for a man to say, you spend all this time with this other man, yet I know better, that's not okay. I don't think that's okay. And he's kind of saying, my judgment of your band members is going to override your judgment of your band members, even though you're spending way more time with these people. That's not okay, okay? Now, if you really value this band and if it's your passion, this is going to cause a huge divide in your relationship long-term. And I personally think that this issue, if it's not with this band, it's probably going to crop up in other areas. So this is something that unfortunately is probably going to keep occurring in this relationship unless your boyfriend is able to turn around and say, you know what, I was just hurt. I was having like I was being too proud, but the truth is like it's fine. I'm willing to turn a page. I'm willing. If he can't turn around and do that, then this issue, it's not just with this band. It's going to crop up in many other areas. The point is that he, for whatever reason, could be insecurities, could be anything else, is not comfortable with you being in a band with all male members. He'll probably only ever be satisfied if you turn around and join a band with all female members going by the way he's been behaving so far. Okay? So... He's not trusting you. He's not trusting the situation. He doesn't like your band members. He didn't even, even before, this is how I also think it's dodgy. Even before he claimed that this situation occurred with where he claims the band member was you looking at your ass. Before that, he didn't support it. So he already came in with this biased idea of how the situation was going to go down. So that's why I think that he may have misinterpreted what went down that night, thinking that the band member looked at your ass and then looked at him. He already didn't support it. So I can't imagine that he'd go in there with like rose-coloured lenses or whatever the saying is, thinking that your band members are the best people in the world. He was probably looking for something to be like, aha, got you, I don't like you. Okay, so personally... This is not, I don't think it's going to change and you shouldn't change for it to get better. So if that means the dissolving of a relationship, which it seems like it already has because you've already moved out, then so be it. But you're in for this kind of behavior for a long time if you continue to do this unless he changes his behavior. But you shouldn't have to change yours. In this scenario, you shouldn't have to change your behavior. Hopefully that helps. Guys, that's all for today's episode. As always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.